Forced out of Ireland by Cromwell, she served as an indentured servant in Barbados before escaping to a new life in Boston. But was it happy ever after for Anne Glover? No. She was hanged as a witch. Are we sure we want this as our intro? <laughs> I'm not sure, but I, I kind of like it. This is the Out of Ireland podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I actually can't think of how that song goes now. All I think no. of now is oh, yeah. dun, 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 dun. I I think it's a real earworm though. I love hearing it, even though it's only like a twenty second thing. I find it so addictive. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, we commissioned this song out of an Irish band called The Scratch, and they're just a really good trad Irish band. Um, so when we reached out to them, we didn't think they'd reply, and they were like, yeah, sure, happy to do a bit of podcast music, delighted. We, we never told them we've done it, actually, we should probably tell them that their oh, the podcast yeah. is out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, their podcast is Yeah, I really like I'm it. I'm sure was... they're sitting at home by the phone waiting for that phone call. <laughs> yeah, I mean... They're just scrolling Apple Podcasts, just waiting, looking for any yeah, new yeah. Irish podcasts. Fuck, fuck the record label. Let's see, do we make it on the Out of Ireland podcast? Yeah. <laughs> well, we are top 100 podcasts, top 80 podcasts in Korea, South Korea right now. Still have to crack Ooh. North Korea. I think we made it into the Cayman Islands chart. <laughs> so for anyone who's <laughs> listening, by the way, we just released officially about a week ago. So we've all been checking the charts and the charts don't make any sense. Because we were ranking in South Korea and we found one person listened to us in South Korea. Don't so, tell And maybe that. they did it like a hundred <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one downloader loved it though. Um, so thanks for listening, think. person in Korea. Oh yeah, sorry to the individual in Korea. Yeah. Uh, oh, what's what's thank you in Korean? Kam samnida. It's Korean for thank you. There you so go. Cultured. Yeah. Yeah. We well, it's out of Ireland. You, Ush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an episode on you and your what happened when you went and lived abroad or maybe that's I have a few stories yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's really just the pretext out of Ireland we can just tell our funny drunk stories intermittently mixed in with history can we just go through the, the most Irish thing that ever happened when we did release so the comment on Connor's post I think it was on Instagram oh yeah that was actually from Naomi oh um, remind me chef's wife what was it? Yeah. Oh, our first mistake. No. Oh, yeah. No, no she shit did first point out that I, um, or me or Oshin, I think, said something about Hamlet when Connor. we meant. Definitely Connor, yeah. I think it might have been you. Um, I'm a lesbian. We said uh, Hamlet instead of Macbeth for the Scottish play that you're not supposed to name if you're acting in. Yeah. Um, but then she said that she really enjoyed it. And she said it was like going to the pub on an evening where you're kind of tired, but you're happy to be there and just listen to your mates chatting away. Oh, no, I was talking about the one that was like, I'm third cousin to this one, and my friend is second cousin to that oh, one. Oh, yeah. That one. Oh, they're all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the most obvious Yeah, that was brilliant, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, I'm descended from Grainne Whale. And... Typical Ireland. Everyone in some ways connected to somebody. But yeah, we've already done, what, three episodes, and we've already bumped into relatives of like two of the people we've talked about. Yeah, Shackleton. Far Grainne relatives. Whale, like, far, far away. The Shackleton one's not that far. It's like great, great, great grandfather or something, or great grandfather. It's not that far, buddy. It's madness. so Irish. I know your dad. So I told you about the time when I was, I got in a bus in, or Dara, you were there. <laughs> we got in a bus and we were in Dalat in Vietnam. We were going to this like canyoning jump thing. 
um, I got on and the, you know, those really excitable tour guides and it's like, what are you going to do today? We're going to have fun. We're going to go crazy and we're going to do this. And it's like, tell me where you're from. And I was like, I'm Connor, I'm from Ireland and went through the whole bus and people from England and then down the back of the bus. It's like, what's your name? And someone just went, I'm Connor from Ireland. It's like, where are you from? And he went to my school. He was the year below me in school. What, what yeah. county is he from? He's from, <laughs> <was> from Monaghan. <laughs> I, I revealed a very tragic truth to Connor this weekend while we were drinking. And the truth is that he makes references to counties all the time. So if you're talking about anyone or telling any story, he like throw in a, oh, it's a mead man or oh, it's a loud man. Or mm. he just, yeah, I don't know how to describe what you do, but you do it. I think it's because, so where I went to school in Carrick, it's like on the border. So we had like people from Meath, Cavan, Louth and Monaghan all in the same school. So... I think we had to differentiate counties, so we learned what traits each county had based on our. Oh, yeah, that makes group. sense. Since we were just me, we didn't really. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Don't talk to Kevin. I'm away with this. <laughs> <laughs> That's my tragic backstory, Dara. This is my superhero backstory. <laughs> my origin. Um, but yeah, we'll again, we will. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about Anne Glover, who has the unfortunate accolade of being the last woman hanged as a witch in Boston. Not the greatest thing you'd like to have as your legacy, but uh, it's something, isn't it? Yeah, she's yeah. remembered. We're still <laughs> talking remembered. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then that's that thing. Do you want to be infamous and remembered or forgotten and nice? <laughs> Do you want to be Hitler or just like a nice guy? <laughs> nice. We're not, I'll take we're... nice. <laughs> <laughs> We're not trying to relate her or whatever yeah. to Hitler. No correlation between. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you guys didn't get that. It's <laughs> three, the book. No. Oh, her name. Her name, by the way, guys, was actually Goody and Glover. I didn't realize this. Have you heard like the word Goody at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's why I looked it up. It's just an, an old kind of form of Miss or Mrs. It's just Miss. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they're all Goody. Or I thought it was because she was a good wife. Good wife is a Goody is short for good wife. Yeah. And it's just a term for like, you know, it, it just kind of like goody two shoes is, comes from that kind of, it was just a term for like miss. Oh, that's cool. First, we should just talk about sources because with regard to the story of Anne, she is significant because she was involved in kind of the, the witch frenzy that would happen in Salem a couple of years after she was killed. There's not many sources on Anne, but what we do know is she was born in Ireland in the early 17th century. We don't know where she lived in Ireland, but... Um, the invasion of Cromwell was the reason why she left. Uh, her and her husband were pretty much kicked out of the country because of Cromwell. They were brought over to Barbados as indentured slaves, where her husband was then murdered on the islands for failing to denounce his Catholic beliefs. And that's where pain really, really began for Anne. Did she have to denounce her Catholic faith or were they just not interested in the woman? Again, there's not too much on this. It was more, they don't even know how she got to Boston. So from Barbados, she got to Boston and they don't even know how she got there. There's rumours that she escaped and fled and others are just that she was brought over in a ship and that was it. So, well, yeah. usually indentured servitude last seven years is was the general term for Irish people. But again, that's, it, it really depended on the case. Basically, there was radio silence on uh, the gap between Barbados and 
Boston. And at the same time, there's a Limerick historian who also even disputes the fact that she was an indentured servant at all. So early life is a very, very shaky one. What we do know is that Anne ended up arriving in Boston around the 1680s with her daughter, Mary. And Anne was an old woman at this stage, and her and her Catholic daughter, Mary, were in a deeply, deeply Puritan neck of the woods, which was the city of Boston, basically. Yeah, like you said, when she arrived in Boston, obviously she didn't have a husband, so she needed to work herself to feed her kids. So she got a a job as a housewife for John Goodwin, who had six kids. And this is where stuff starts to get real, or maybe, I suppose, surreal. Just before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about the Puritans and kind of who they were, because I didn't really know that much about them before going into this episode. And it turns out that they're not the same as the Pilgrims, which also kind of dressed in black and white and ended up in this part of America at the time. But the Pilgrims were just a slight bit different. The Puritans were like a group of Protestants who wanted to purge the Church of England from Roman Catholic practices. So get rid of the choirs, get rid of all the church clothes. And they basically thought that England was too relaxed about their relationship with the Roman Catholic Church. So around 13,000 of them moved over to the east coast of America and started settling New England and settling Boston. So by 1676, the population of Boston was around 4,000 people, which was largely made up of Puritans. So naturally, they they controlled the laws, they controlled education, they controlled a lot of the, the aspects of the city, I guess. A lot of them would have been kicked out of England and the UK. They would, they would have been forced to leave, uh, either death or go leave now. That seemed to have been in vogue at the time, like to hell or to Connacht was happening in Ireland and like to hell or to Boston for the Puritans. <laughs> I, the, the source I have is that they were very rich and they wanted to leave. No, so I have it that even uh, your man, John Goodwin's, his parents and his wife's parents were from the UK and they left because they were being threatened. Wow, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's almost like they were like chasing out religious extremists in England at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it was yeah. once the British monarchy got power back, that was when they kind of decided to feck off to, to New England, anyway, mm. it seems. But they had some real, really weird uh, kind of practices, I guess. Like, they wouldn't have called themselves Puritan. Puritan was almost like a um, like an insult at the time. What do they call themselves? They would call themselves the godly, the saints, or, or God's children. So they were very, very, very up in their kind of relationship with God. Like, their, even their relationship with, like, diseases and stuff. Like, they believed that you were saved by grace alone, and not doing good things wouldn't help. You had to be as graceful as possible. So, like, later on when smallpox started ravaging the community, and there were efforts to try and, like, stop the smallpox, they were kind of like, no, 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 like, we can't stop God's work. <laughs> God is sending the smallpox through. So... <laughs> This group sounds like a perfect Louis Theroux documentary. Oh, they do. They do. <laughs> Madness. Sure, they killed Quakers. They, they executed some yeah. Quakers at some stage. Quakers are like the nicest people in the yeah. world. And they, they tried to cut off their ears and then they killed a couple of them. It's a very specific threat. I know. I know. They, well, they said to the Quakers, if you come back in, we'll cut off one ear. And if you come in again, we'll cut off two ears. And if you come in again, we'll execute you. And three guys got executed, but I don't remember if they have their, they had their ears. It's a lot of times coming in and out, like. Yeah. <laughs> Fool me once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> but I have a couple of things. The Puritans were pretty cool for education. Like they set up Harvard and Harvard was a seminary and it was one of the first colleges in Amer- the Americas. But what I love the most is Puritan names. They wanted to kind of go with names that were more in... The, I, I don't know how to describe it, but they wanted names that were more in tune with their beliefs. 
So does that make sense? So like say the name Hope. The name Hope is derived from like Puritan times. So that's a normal, nice normal name. Mm. This is all a prelude. Okay, go on. What have you? <laughs> I'm like wondering which way this is gonna go. Like, um, I have a couple here. There's a person whose name is Job Raked Out of the Ashes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then wait, is that their hang on? One. Is that their full name or is that like is Job their first his full name? name? His full name is Job Raked Out of the Ashes. Murphy. <laughs> oh, that's his full fucking name. So also there was Praise God Barebone which is like Viking plus fucking Puritan. I don't know. Praise God, Barebone. But Praise God had the most interesting son's name. Are you ready? Yeah, it was with it. Go on. So, and you can Google all these people. They're real people. But they're in England. But they're Puritans. So Praise God, Barebone had a son who he called. If Christ had not died for thee... Oh, fuck. It's like a tongue twister. Okay. If Christ had not died for thee, thou hadst been damned. That's his name. He just read a paragraph in a book and was like, I'll take yeah. that, thank you. It's like, it's, it's dinner time. Hey, get Bob, Bob. Hey, get Mary, Mary. If Christ had not died for you, that'd be damned. Oh, God. <laughs> that was your actual name. What's your name? Did it start <laughs> with if? Eight words. If Christ had not died for thee, thou hadst been damned. Like, did he, if they were playing football, they probably didn't play football, but I was like, <laughs> they're just like, yeah, if, if, if. You know, they were kind of weird, though. Puritans didn't mind, like, solo sports. Um, I don't know what the, the example is, but they didn't mind solo sports. They didn't like sport group sports because it fostered hate and they didn't like gambling, but they were kind of pro most things apart from like theater because apparently theater uh, fostered homosexuality or some mad stuff. So they were actually not as batshit crazy as I thought they were, but they were quite batshit crazy. Yeah. Their, their belief, their belief on women was quite interesting. Now the women were quite uh, in a sense equal in, in Puritan times, like in a sense they, they did their share of the work, but the reason they believed in witchcraft and witches as opposed to wizardry and all this bullshit is they believed the women's bodies were too weak and they didn't have the strength and vitality to say no to Satan, basically. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very biblical, isn't it? That's not being able to resist temptation. That's Adam and Eve kind of vibes. Yeah, pretty much. And they also hated Catholics. So with that, we should probably mention that because <laughs> it does come, come yeah. into, it features quite heavily in this story. <laughs> Which we, we, sh we should get back to, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could talk about Puritans all day long. They're really fun. <laughs> yeah. It really, we, we've laid the groundwork for what Boston was like at the time, anyway. <laughs> we should kind of take it back to Anne now and how her story kind of fits into this world. In the summer of 1688, Anne and her daughter were working as maids for the Goodwins, as we mentioned earlier on. The eldest daughter, Martha Goodwin, uh, accused Mary of robbing their linen. This caused Anne to react very badly, screaming not only at Martha, but the three other Goodwin children. Yeah, she went full Irish mummy, didn't she? She like, I can just, I, in my head, she's got a wooden spoon and she's just like berating the kids. And... She she ate the head off yeah. by the sounds of things. Yeah, you, you saying my daughter, you're fucking teeth. <laughs> now, she wouldn't actually be saying that because it's another point that we should get into is that Anne actually spoke mostly Irish. So she would have had a little bit of English. She would have understood English, but for the most part, she spoke Irish or Gaelic, as some of you might, might think it's called. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but it would probably said a lot more terrifying as well. Like, imagine you didn't speak Irish oh, yeah. and someone starts absolutely. screaming at you in Irish. It just sounds absolutely terrifying yeah. if you don't know. And she was not popular in this neighborhood. This neighborhood was primarily Puritans. She was an old Irish woman who was kind of known for being a bit batty. I think that's probably a good word to call her. 
it sounds offensive, but I think I think she was just known for being a little bit kind of maybe losing the head of a lot of the people or something. She or maybe just this was just because she was Irish. There was a negative reputation of her amongst the Puritan people. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the Puritans did leave England because things were getting the Church of England were getting too Catholic, and this was a full-on Catholic woman. So shortly after Martha got that tongue lashing off Anne. Martha and her three siblings started to exhibit some very strange and bizarre symptoms. I'm trying to make this sound spooky, but I'm failing. Anyway, <laughs> I just sound like I'm, I've, I have a speech problem. Um, I actually I have, actually have a direct quote from the book, um, and it's written in Old English, so you'll get to hear me try and do Old English. This one isn't too bad, but it's still it's such a dense book. Full of, the whole book is basically this paragraph by like 100 pages. So this is kind of a description of what was happening to the children in, in the book we were talking about. Quote, sometimes they would be deaf, sometimes dumb, and sometimes blind, and often all of this at once. One while their tongues would be drawn down their throats, another while they would be pulled out upon their chins to a prodigious length. They would have their mouths opened, such a wildness, their laws went out of joint. And uh, this is very hard to read, folks. And anon they would clap together with a force like that of a strong spring lock. The same would happen to their shoulder blades and their elbows and hand wrists and several of their joints. They would at times lie in a benumbed condition and be drawn together as those that are tied neck and heels and presently be stretched out. Yeah, <laughs> that's not how that should sound. Drawn backwards to such a degree that it was feared the very skin of their bellies would have cracked. Jesus. Sounds like me on a hangover. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, and the, but this affected like the four middle kids, right? So the oldest and the youngest, like the baby of the Godwins, they were grand. It was just the four kids in the middle. Yeah. This diagnosis was given by Doctor Oaks, so the, a family friend that lived on the same street. So he was just saying that then their condition isn't natural, and it was nothing but hellish witchcraft. And then the father Goodwin was like, well, it was obviously Anne. Yeah. <laughs> Straight away, he just said, Anne did this to the kids. She was casting witchcraft on the kids and all this stuff. Yeah. So they went to the police, or well, the authorities went to interrogate Anne. And I think she tried to give them a tongue lashing as well, or she basically started screaming at them and they got so offended that they arrested her straight away. So I don't really understand the sources, the way they phrase that, but didn't go well for Anne. Yeah, they kind of went to interview her and then she just started screaming at them. So I was like, all right, well, let's let's arrest her. I kind of see, if you remember like the cat lady from The Simpsons, I don't know why I like imagine. Oh, yeah. Anne as her, just kind of always like screaming. But anyway, we're really painting her in a bad picture here. She's a unfortunate woman in an unfortunate era of time yeah i think it's probably important to say that like i mean we said earlier that she was didn't speak english and was catholic and obviously had been through a lot to get to there and there was some very obvious mental issues yeah. she was having that it's, not like she it's not like she wanted to be there she was forced to leave her home well, yeah like none of what happened is what she planned or wanted to do you know and it's, it's just kind of it's another case of mental issues not being treated properly or not being seen as mental issues in the past mm. especially in women it's always like hysteria or witchcraft or the devil the main source we're going to be using for this episode is called memorable providences which is a book about witchcraft in boston in kind of the mid to late 1600s is this cotton mathers book yeah 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 okay and we, we should talk about cotton matters how do you pronounce it mathers matter like marshall it's just matter I think it's just, I think it's singular. Oh, oh okay. I thought it was like Marshall <laughs> Mathers. I thought it was like his, that's his Maher, great, great. Maher. <laughs> Cotton was a Puritan minister. So 
he was quite high up in the church at the time. His father was even more important. He was the president of Harvard. And so Cotton himself wanted to make a name. I think this is where it all came from, really. He enrolled in Harvard at the age of 10. Did he? Yeah. Oh, my God. That was definitely his dad just didn't want to him a lift in later it's just on you're coming with me yeah his second his secondary school was like on the other side of the town he's like oh you know just enroll him in harvard and he can come in be fine (laughs) one of of the accounts i said was he was very self-conscious about how intellectually superior he was to his peers i was like oh poor cotton you're so intelligent (laughs) like it's real it's real strange account dara is that how you feel around me and (laughs) ushin Cotton Matter wrote the book that would go on to be used as our source in this and kind of used as the main source for witchcraft, for the history of witchcraft, I guess. And we'll be referencing his book and quoting it throughout this, this episode. Now, let's get back to Anne Glover. At the trial, she didn't exactly help herself either. Again, the way this was communicated in what I read is that she wouldn't help them because when they were interviewing her, she'd only answer in Irish even though apparently she understood English. So there was two interpreters there to interpret, to translate Irish into English for the the judge. But the interpreters actually were said to be good and honest or good and trustworthy men. But there's no actual evidence. There's nothing about these men. And there is speculation that they couldn't actually speak Irish. And they were just kind of saying what was meant to be said. If you kind of work it out, it's two Irish men who seemingly speak Irish that you could guess that they're Catholic, but now they just maybe want to just prove to these guys that they're actually pretty cool and they're they're sound and they want a bit of work or something in this president area. So maybe that's why they just said what they wanted to hear. Maybe, but like it does say later on, like that you know their damning evidence against her was like stuff that's fairly not that bad. Like at the trial, they were like, "Can you say the Lord's Prayer?" Which is our Father. I didn't know that. It's looking up. I was like, what's the Lord's Prayer? Oh, I've said it like a million times. <laughs> but even at the trial, when they asked her to say the Lord's Prayer, she could say it in Irish and in broken Latin, but she couldn't say it in English, which is, I mean, she said it in two languages, lads. Like, give her a And break. also it's slightly different because she, she's Catholic yeah. and they're president, so maybe she didn't want to say their version of it. Oh, and they've got the extra two lines, don't yeah, they, at the yeah. end? But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. all a ruse. It's also important to note that the three of the children were still suffering from the same bizarre illnesses that they had before so it's been going on throughout the summer oh yeah so they were like trying to get her to they were like come on Anne, lay off the kids like we yeah so these two men are through these two men seemingly and confesses to being a witch yeah and that's when they went to her house right this is when they searched her house yeah and this is when they found small images or puppets uh, which were made of rags and stuffed with like goat's hair and other kind of stuff. Yeah, well, when I saw that, I was like, oh shit, fucking voodoo from Barbados or something. But no, it turns out it's a bit more, um, I think it's a bit more innocent. But like, if it was a puppet, you'd, you'd stuff it up somebody's chimney and you'd curse their house. But there's, they kind of figure that this was Anne praying to like more pagan type mm. spirits. These were edifices of pagan mm. gods or something. So, but I, I don't really know what the Irish were believing in the 1600s. Um, I don't know what vestiges vestiges of uh, paganism re- remained I guess. yeah i did i had to look up that and i thought there was these things called corn dollies or dolls and they were made out of straw uh, and they were throughout europe but would have been to celebrate the end of the harvest and just to kind of thank the land for giving them food so it could be yeah it'd be stemming from that i think 
And to be fair, like Irish Catholic traditions would have been very interlinked. Like we still like St. Bridget's Day is a pagan tradition. Yeah. You know, Brigitte was the, she was one of the two of the Dan, I think, wasn't she? And she was like the fire god. And that's the thing where you're supposed to put a Bridget's cross above your door to stop, to protect your house from fire. And that's a old pagan tradition. So like, there's not really a separation. The Puritans hated pagan traditions. Like they were vehemently against like the Maypole dance, you know, the, the summer thing where you dance around the pole. So this, you know, again, again this is kind of wrong, wrong time, wrong place, because like during the interrogation as well, Anne said she prayed to a whole host of spirits. So again, she's probably saying it in a more pagan way, but they're going, they interpreted it as she prays to Satan and demons. Yeah. So they were, they, they kind of, they had their answer and they were trying to make their questions fit yeah. their narrative. Yeah. So it's a bit like that with the puppets or the doll. The Puritans saw them as Satan and, and demons, while you could nearly interpret it as God and saints, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah. And I think Irish people do tend to hold saints in a higher regard than more than most Catholic countries as well. The, the final nail in the coffin came when doctors assessed Anne to see if she was mad. If she was declared mad, then she would have avoided the, the gallows, I guess. But they ruled her sound of mind. Um, and she was she was ruled sane and sentenced to death for witchcraft. After she was sentenced to death and waiting for her execution, she was visited by a woman called Mrs. Hughes, whose son had been suffering from the same symptoms as the Goodwin children. Hughes gave testimony against Lover and telling the stories of it to her neighbours that she just felt that Anne was a bit of a weirdo and she, she's blaming Anne for the Goodwin's misfortunes. She claimed that she'd seen an old lady climb down her chimney at night and she, she, yeah, she was pretty much saying that that was Anne and she appealed to Anne while she was in prison that uh, could you please make my son better and she did. Is this the woman who the her son said and like a black thing with a blue cap was trying to rip her son's bowels out or something was not this one yeah that's the one yeah 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 Yeah, and then so she went to see Anne in the in jail and allegedly Anne said to her oh I was in your house last night and then the one was like what what were you doing and then she said oh I was a black thing wearing a blue hat trying to rip your son's bowels out which it just sounds too fitting and you know isn't it sounds too spooky and too witch-like to be real do you know yeah, yeah well it, it yeah. seems like once she was um sentenced to die it, like the whole community kind of was like oh well of course she's a witch it seemed to like spread a story like i, mm. I found one good quote mm. that wasn't from the book that we're referencing for the most part and it, it just says here a boston merchant who knew her this guy called robert calif or c-a-l-e-f he said quote goody glover was a despised crazy poor old woman an irish catholic who was tried for afflicting the goodwin children her behavior at the trial was like that of one distracted. They did her cruel. The proof against her was wholly deficient. The jury brought her guilty. She was hung. She died a Catholic. So he was kind of saying like that it's a great, it's a great quote because it's actually putting a bit of realisticness down on this frenzy. They were like, they just kept shouting witch at her and she was just kind of probably acting a bit mad. Anne was held in prison until the 16th of November, 1688. And on the day of her execution, um, Matter went up to talk to her and he pleaded with her to release the kids as her death would be no good for their situation. It, she also seemingly said that there is another one of her kind. Um, so even after her death, the, these type of things will continue. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely just Mather's get out clause, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. He's just like, 
if she dies and these kids are still sick, I'm fucked. <laughs> Anne stepped on a wooden platform, placed her head in the noose and was hung for witchcraft in the streets of South Boston. After Anne died, the symptoms persisted with the Goodwin children. So Matter was kind of concerned. So he brought the eldest daughter into his house and he kind of kept an eye on her. And she noted that the symptoms seemed to recede when she drank alcohol. So I don't know if she's just trying to get a free drink, but uh, she's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not frenzied anymore. Can I get more booze? Because the Puritans actually really supported booze. They were a very pro-booze society, which I think is so funny. Really? Yeah, Puritans are very what, weird. But like Jesus was drinking wine and all. So maybe they were... I was lamping into it. I, I also saw that the children would have fits all day and then come 10 o'clock when it was bedtime they're like nah I'm a bit tired now and then they would be fine is that yeah <laughs> is, is that just how kids are is that what they... yeah yeah it just sounded like kids that didn't want to like clean their room or you know and they weren't listening to their parents it was just like oh it's a way dad I'm not going to clean my room I'm having a fit it's the devil yeah yeah <laughs> Connor 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 listen to me clean your room why don't you listen to me he's just hovering off the floor like in the exorcist puking green and stuff <laughs> Stop baking it. <laughs> well, it's like, well, what, what, what was that thing real? The witch test where like you were drowned and if you didn't drown, you were a witch and you were killed. And if you did drown, you weren't a witch. Yeah, they'd tie your opposite hands to your opposite leg. So you're fecked either um, way. So if you're a witch, you'd float. They also had some mad ways of testing witches. Did you did you come across like witch kicks at all? No, but this would be thing? a great segue. If we have the, stuff on the, the yeah, so witch cakes were another way they did it. So they would get like someone who was bewitched, they'd get their urine and bake it into like a cake, but it seemed to be like a biscuit. It was like with rye, rye oats or something. And then they'd feed that biscuit to a dog. And then the dog, if the dog like acted out the symptoms that the kid was having, like that would prove witchcraft. And then the dog should, in theory, point to who the witch is. Wait, sorry, you're confusing me there. So if you give the urine of a kid who's uh, under the influence of a witch, and if the dog starts acting the same way, is that it? Right, so say say you're being bewitched, right? So say you're one of the, the Goodwin kids, right? Mm. We'd collect some of your urine, bake it into a nice wee biscuit, and a then we feed it. Yeah, a wee biscuit. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even notice. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. <laughs> and then you'd feed that... A biscuit to your dog for example and then if that dog started acting like the Goodwins so if the Goodwin kids had been like banging their heads off a wall and the dog suddenly started banging their head off the wall they'd be like see it's definitely a witch and then the dog would go to somebody and then that would be the witch oh the dog um, would seek out the witch with the yeah the exactly okay. because apparently dogs were like closely associated with the devil for some reason. that is mad but very interesting. There you go. That wasn't used in, in this trial, though, at all. And it was also seen as white magic, which is very negative in, like, it's still magic. So it's even though it's not dark magic, it's still um, looked down on because it's not, you know, it's still dabbling in the other world. After Anne's death, you might think that the Goodwin children's ailments would be lifted, Unfortunately for them, the symptoms only got worse, going as far as being possessed by evil spirits. Evil spirits like Sambuca and Tequila. <laughs> no, Mickey, Mickey Finns. Maher lists some of these ailments which the children were suffering, such as barking like a dog, purring like a cat, 
and sometimes complaining as being red hot, sweating and panting, but at the same time being uh, cold. It sounds like they had a fever. Yes. It's just like a lot of Salem, like witch trials and Salem witch trials that came later almost sound like fever dreams and just like being a bit sick and very well could be, to be honest. Months after Anne's death, Cotton led a fasting and prayer service in the Goodwin's house with all the children present. It was seemingly a very violent and dramatic affair for the kids. They were suffering very badly, but it, it worked for them. Uh, after a couple of days, they seemed to be fixed and they had no ailments anymore. They need an Irish mammy to just walk in there at Odin Spoon and whack them. Will you stop acting the maggot? Well, no, one tried that yeah. and she got <laughs> told she was a witch. So. Oh yeah, okay, actually true. She ends up on the gallows. Fran's daughter Mary does very little information except for one little record of when she was admitted into a jail cell and it just said very very simple Mary Glover the Irish Catholic witch so we can't imagine things ended very well for Mary if she ends up if the only annal in history for her is that record in a jail cell beside two pirates um who knows what happened to her but I'd say it wasn't wasn't good beside two pirates yeah she was in there with two pirates oh but I looked up the pirates they're boring pirates they didn't do anything like mad just pirate <laughs> it's not exactly related but I wouldn't mind talking a little about Cotton Matter because he was an interesting character in the scene in Boston at the time because this guy was like the early historian Matter wrote the book Memorable Providences and it details all of these ailments that were affecting people around the time with regards to the witchcraft and it's also the accounts in this book that many believe that the people in Salem who had the same ailments as they were written in the book they think that they might have actually copied these elements from the book. But anyway, we'll get back to that in a sec. But Matter himself was a historian and one of the earliest historians in America, going on to write about 350 books. And he was also quite big in the movement to try and fix smallpox um, with regard to inoculations. So he was told by his slave, because this was a slave culture, he was told by his slave of how... In West Africa, they gave themselves a small amount of smallpox and it actually helped save them. So Matter went around trying to encourage people to get smallpox, to get rid of smallpox. And there was a huge movement against him. People really vehemently hated him. And like we were saying earlier, like the Puritan movement believed that God sent this smallpox to the sinners. So anyone who was trying to go against that grain was doing so against God's wishes. So he actually got a lot of hate through it and he actually had a bomb thrown through his window, which did not go off. So a very interesting guy, um, but of course, the way he writes about this witchcraft, she was a guilty party from the start. So, you know, he had an interesting role in history, but of course, he was quite biased in the role that brought about the death of Anne. This is the time of the podcast where we usually talk about the legacy, and it's usually hundreds of years later or whenever and someone gets a statue or, you know, potentially a football team or a pub named after them. But Anne Glover's legacy started almost immediately with um, the Salem Witch Trials, which came in 1692. So just four years after. She was the first victim in kind of a frenzy, I think is the way it goes, isn't it? She was the first victim in what would... It, she, her death didn't lead to their deaths, but it definitely contributed to the the fear in the time. Yeah, but like... Like you were saying, like the symptoms were then written down and then there was legal precedence mm. for which. And like in Europe at the time, the witchcraft trials were on the way down. So this was almost an outlier that this happened in the States. And actually, there's a, a bit of a parallel between Anne Glover and the Salem witch trials. So 
I didn't really realize this because I've been to Salem, but I don't quite remember a lot of this happening. It was based on the testimony of just three girls saying that there were witches, that they had done this to them. So our old friend Cotton Mathers came back again. So they basically, because he had set legal precedence with this case, they sought his advice during the Salem witch trials. And he said, one of those big things he said, you can't take spectral evidence as evidence, which basically means if you have a dream about somebody. So a lot of people in Salem are going, in my dream, you were a witch and you were trying to kill me. He told them, that's not evidence. Do not accept that as evidence. And um, then they went, oh, that's a really good idea. And then threw that out the window immediately and started accepting spectral evidence from everybody. yeah <laughs> like it's almost like the voice of reason was the absurd guy like yeah it's just it was just mental it was so it was him mental. there was the other guy um major nathaniel hawthorne was also kind of a dissenter in salem as well he actually resigned after the first hanging in salem because he was like this is going to go too far everyone's going to start accusing everyone we're all going to make up all these stories so he kind of saw it coming and he quit as well so there were people trying to be voices of reason at the time, but they just were kind of drowned out by this mass hysteria. Back to Anne's legacy, 300 years after her death, Boston City Council have declared November 16th as Good Eat Lover Day. Yeah, which is the day she's hanged, which is quite rude. Not her birthday, nothing, it's just like the day she's dead. Well, nobody knows her birthday, so. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, fair enough. Could have been her birthday. <laughs> we barely, we barely know where she's from. Yeah, she's she's... Like a random day and that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, yeah, I'll take that back. But I, I guess at least they're paying a bit of homage to her, you know, doing their thing. So. Well, there's Anne Glover, guys. What do you think? Do you think she was a witch? I, I think throughout the podcast, we've clearly stated that she was. Yeah, there is definite evidence. <laughs> um, just mere months after she was killed, then all the children got better. Magic. It's one of those just things that it's sad where it's someone who's different from what everyone else is. And because of that, they're ostracized and in this case, killed. Yeah, well, imagine escaping Ireland to get away from the murdering English to be murdered by the English in Boston. (laughs) 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 It's just an unfortunate, unfortunate turn. Now, again, I I hate to say it, but it sounds like she didn't really do herself any favors. But I think, I don't know, is it mental health, Connor? I don't know, is it just that she was an angry old Irish woman who used to scream at kids or scream at people? I don't know. Did they want her to repent at all or did they just call her? Did they have their decision that she was a witch? And then suddenly the crowd starts going, yeah, of course she was a witch. She once stood my toe, witch. you know, maybe it was just getting swept up in that. Well, the Puritans had their whole thing that if you admitted you were a witch, you could repent. So that was a way to get out of it for a lot of people. So you'd repent and say, oh, yeah, I am a witch. Uh, I'll repent and also I'll give you some names of other witches. So that was like their way out. That was how you played the game, essentially. Unfortunately, Anne didn't speak English, so. <laughs> that's See, that's the biggest thing is that she didn't speak, she didn't speak English, really. Like, she could understand it maybe a bit. You know, it's always easier to understand a language than to speak it. That's, all you do is shout and point at things. <laughs> it's, it's unclear if she decided to be obstinate during the trial. Or if she was genuinely just wanted to speak Irish. That's the one thing I find unclear. There was also something funny that I saw that was like Puritans believed that kind of those weak spirited people as well. If you have a corrupt spirit, it'll easily let the devil or Satan in 
to you. So that's kind of how they said, well, she was an old withered hag or whatever. So she let herself be corrupted. So you could almost try and put blame on the person themselves as well. So they could damn her in every possible way. Yeah, it's early victim blaming, isn't it? That brings us to the end of the story of Anne Glover. So maybe next year on the 16th of November on Anne Glover Day, you will take the time to think about her. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Out of Ireland. Hopefully you can join us again for our next episode when we will be looking into somebody else who came from the Emerald Isle. Thanks once again to Jordan O'Leary for the great outro music, which you're about to hear right now. Bye. It was Moore's dad, actually, who also has a great name called Increase. Increase matters. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Guys, yeah. I'm just, all I'm thinking, all I'm thinking is like sex talk. Of Sorry, course. imagine. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they've had sex with their clothes on or something, but like, oh, increase. Okay, now, that doesn't oh, make the cut. Oh, cut that. <laughs>